Welcome to the Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 93, Blue Blood. It's that time of year again, June in Maine, and in my neck of the woods, there have been horseshoe crabs around. In episode 91, we covered some of their basics, and in episode 92, we talked about what we do and do not know about their population levels and why. Today, we'll dig into commercial uses for horseshoe crabs that go beyond using them as fishing bait. As fascinating as these creatures are to watch as they crawl around in shallow water with their part gliding, part herky-jerky gait, humans have for years found other non-aesthetic uses for them, as they have for nearly all large animals. As we talked about last week, this has been fishing bait, fertilizer, and livestock feed, all uses that kill horseshoe crabs, the ultimate extractive resource use. In the modern era, however, humans discovered another theoretically non-lethal use for horseshoe crabs, one that has enabled foundational safety in the medical field, and that is likely an explanation for the horseshoe crab's evolutionary longevity, and it's in their blood. Horseshoe crabs have blood to circulate oxygen and remove waste to and from their tissues and organs, just like we do. Their circulatory system looks quite a bit different than ours, though, in that it is partially open. They do have a heart that contracts to move blood around through some vessels to the gills, but then the blood enters an open body cavity and bathes the tissues directly before eventually flowing back to the heart through a series of pores. Their circulatory system differs from ours in another way, too. Our blood is red. Theirs is blue, like baby blue. And that has to do with chemistry. You may know that our blood has something in it called hemoglobin, It's a circulatory pigment that is one of the things tested in a complete blood panel if your doctor orders some blood work. Hemoglobin is a big globular complex protein made of several subunits, and right in the middle of that glob is an iron atom. It's the iron that carries the oxygen. It chemically binds with it. And chemistry side note, this is all about the electrons. Oxygen steals electrons from iron, and that is the basis of their relationship. When iron has its electrons stolen, that's called oxidized. So when our blood is carrying oxygenated hemoglobin, the iron in the center is oxidized. And you know what is another name for oxidized iron, right? Rust. Oxidized iron is red, and that is why our blood is red, especially our fully oxygenated arterial blood. Horseshoe crabs, like many other invertebrates, including octopus, have a different metal in the middle of their circulatory pigment, in this case, copper. When you think of copper, you probably think of a shiny penny or a copper roof. But copper in its oxidized state, when oxygen has stolen electrons from it, is blue or blue-green. Think of the Statue of Liberty. It is that greenish-blue color because the copper of its outer sheath is oxidized. So, horseshoe crabs have blue blood. And as cool as that is, it isn't actually the reason the biomedical field is interested in horseshoe crabs. It turns out that the combination of their open circulatory system and bacteria-laden environment has given horseshoe crabs a special power, one that likely dates back very early in their evolution and may be a factor in their extreme evolutionary longevity. In our bodies, we have many, many different cells associated with immune function. Together, these make up our immune system. Horseshoe crabs have far fewer, in fact, only one according to some characterizations, so their immune response to pathogens is quite different than ours. The cell is called an amoebocyte, and it produces a substance called Limulus amoebocyte lysate, LAL for short, and when it encounters substances associated with potential pathogenic bacteria. 
And the horseshoe crabs, if an amoebocyte encounters a bacteria that has managed to get inside the body cavity of the animal, it releases LAL, which causes a gel to form, effectively trapping the possible pathogens. Researchers in the mid-20th century noticed this and found a way to extract LAL from the blood of horseshoe crabs and use it to screen medical implants, vaccines, and any other theoretically sterile medical substances and equipments for contamination. It's highly likely that anyone listening has benefited from LAL and thus horseshoe crabs. The crazy thing is that currently the only source in this country of LAL is still horseshoe crabs which are collected along the mid-Atlantic coast when they come ashore to breed. They're then taken to a lab and bled, and then returned to the ocean in a process that is intended to be non-lethal. Estimates of mortality range from 3 to 30 percent, and researchers have documented that bled horseshoe crabs are less vigorous than unbled crabs, which may have a negative impact on their long-term survival and reproductive capacity, but the process continues nonetheless. Researchers have developed several synthetic versions of LAL via genetic engineering, some of which are approved for use in other countries, but as of now, the U.S. government has not yet approved their use here. If I had to guess, that will change soon, but in the meantime, every time you get a shot, which many of us have done a bunch in the last few years, take a moment to remember the horseshoe crab's contribution to your health. We'll talk more about the ecological roles of horseshoe crabs on a future episode. This has been episode 93 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on traditional Wabanaki land. Did you know you can find the show as a podcast? Go to weru.org to learn more. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission to Creative Commons. Thanks for listening, and join us next week.